It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, the good, better, best scenarios for Daniil Hunter, plus the top three Vikings minicamp storylines. It's all coming up next on today's Throwback Tuesday edition of the Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next-level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition, Football Party, Locked On Sports Minnesota Network, daily breakdown, everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. See that? That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, I know we took a lot of heat for opening Wednesday's show. I don't know if you looked in the comments in that mailbag show last Wednesday when we mm. broke the news about PGA and the Live. So we won't ever talk golf again. Our deepest apologies. But real quick, I got to say, we played nine holes yesterday at Theo Worth. I've been playing with you for five years now, and that was the best golf I've seen you ever play. When's the new YouTube tutorial channel launching? I mean, what, what's your secret? What'd you do this offseason to play so well? Well, I mean, if it, should we go co- straight common man? Just go shot by shot? Yeah, hold uh, on. First hole, three wood, you know, in the left rough. Second shot, six iron. No, um, uh, no, I appreciate the compliment. Checks in the mail. You know, next time, uh, all of it will betray me, and I will probably hit 18 balls into the woods, but I'm going to rest on my laurels for a while. I'm going to take a good, good siesta from golf and just, you know, enjoy my success. Ever since you logged on, my entire room is heated up at least a few degrees. You must have your new Odyssey putter nearby because that thing is on fire. Be careful with that thing, will you? Well done, just in general. Anyone who's played golf before knows it's a fun, addicting game to play when you're playing good. And Sam Ekstrom right now is on a little bit of a heater. I didn't score great, by the way, but I'll tell you what. I was knocking the snot out of the new Kirkland golf balls. Those things are no joke. Go Costco, check baby. At, go check them out at your local Costco right next to the Built Bars. Go check out those Built Bars. All right. <laughs> first things first, quick reminder. Don't forget, this episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Okay, Sam, minicamp kicks off today. It's Vikes' final two practices before a nice little summer break. I know you'll be out there later today. Can't wait to hear all about that on tomorrow's mailbag show with Reggie Wilson. I do want to get into the top three storylines of practice here in a few minutes. Plus, it's also Throwback Tuesday. We're going to reach deep in the Vikings archive and talk about one of the all-time greats from franchise history later on. But first... If you go to any major sports media outlet and just look up the top five trending names in the NFL right now, the Minnesota Vikings are associated with two of them, with Daniil Hunter and, of course, Delvin Cook, who was recently released. 
I want to know what you think are the good, better, best scenarios we can hope for with this Daniil Hunter situation, which obviously where we stand now, he's only due five mil. I mean, the dude wants to get paid. Makes sense. If I was him and I looked around the league right now, I looked at all these other edge rushers making 15, 18, 20 mil. I'm thinking, hey, I know the market value for my name, and I know I'm in that same realm in that kind of range. So he's holding out until they can come to a long-term agreement. And in the meantime, reports coming out saying Quasi has received a handful of calls about possibly trading Daniil Hunter as well. So knowing all that... Here's what I think is the good, better, best scenarios here. And you can tell me if I'm nuts, and then we'll get your take on it. You can share yours. But first off, I don't want to trade Daniil Hunter. Let me just say that. I think he's still one of the best edge rushers in the entire NFL. And after watching this new front office wipe out so much talent on that side of the ball this offseason, I would be so disappointed to see arguably their most talented remaining defender on the roster get moved because you can't figure out some sort of long-term deal. But... If you can't come to a deal and you got to trade them, then I think the conversations better start at a first-round pick. I brought up last week a few examples of some stud edge rushers getting traded. There aren't a ton of examples, so you kind of got to go back 10, 15 years. But Richard Seymour was also 29 years old when he was traded from New England to the Raiders in 2009. So just from an age standpoint, it's a better example than like the Von Miller trade. He was 32 or, you know, like the Khalil Mack trade. He was younger. He was considered to be at his peak at the time, more productive. He went for multiple firsts. Richard Seymour, 29 years old, he gets moved for a first-round pick, and that's it. And if you look at the numbers, he played eight years in New England, played 111 games. He had 39 sacks. He was also a five-time Pro Bowler. Just for comparison's sake here, Hunter has played in 102 games. He's recorded 71 sacks, so 32 more in nine less games of Richard Seymour. So I know it's a long time ago. You just got to keep in mind Seymour was, he was far more than just a pass rusher. So you can't just say, all right, well, Hunter's had so many more sacks than Seymour. Seymour went for a first. I mean, he was a stalwart in that Patriots defense for all those years when they started their Super Bowl run. But being he was also the same age at the time before he got traded to Oakland, it's probably the most comparable situation we have to go off when trying to find, you know, what a Daniil Hunter trade compensation could look like. So in this good, better, best exercise for me, I don't want to trade the guy. But if you have to, if you can't get a deal done, then trading him for a minimum first-round pick is something that it helps me sleep a lot easier at night, put it that way, because then no matter what happens this season, no matter how bad that defense is, at least I know this team, being the draft guy that I am, at least I know they have multiple first-round picks going into next year's draft and a far better opportunity to trade into the top 10, maybe even top five, and grab your quarterback of the future. Because we all know they were in on Bryce Young this year, so maybe stockpiling picks is maybe the new agenda here, Sam. And outside of trading away you know, Justin Jefferson or Derrissaw or Hawkinson, you won't find a bigger trade market for any other player on this Vikings roster. So that's the good. Don't want to, but if you have to, you better get at least a first-round pick for Daniil Hunter. Sam, am I nuts to say anything less than a first for Daniil Hunter would be super disappointing for this fan base? Uh, Correct. I I think this is why you've got some leverage in this case, Luke. This isn't a a Dalvin Cook situation. Like you You would love to have Daniil Hunter on this football team, and I think you're willing to be very patient to get the price that you want. Now, there's going to be other teams 
that point to Yannick Ngakwe, Chandler Jones. Those were players disgruntled, or maybe not even disgruntled in Chandler Jones' case, but players in the final year of their contract uh, who were traded for a second-round pick. Good edge rushers in this league went for a second-round pick. Uh, maybe people look at Daniil Hunter's age and injury history, and I know a- only 28, not ancient by any means for his position, uh, but they might say, we're not giving you more than a second. The Vikings, I think, need to dig their heels in with a first-round pick as the price. And if any team goes that, you know, they if they step it up and they separate themselves from the pack and they say, all right, we cave, we give you the one, then I think the Vikings have a a, a, a taker. But the, the good scenario, Luke, is that the Vikings keep an offer on the table to Daniil. And Ian Rappaport said they offered him a Band-Aid deal, and that's a little disrespectful, but let's say they say, all right, Daniil, if you want to play this year, we will give you $15 million. That's on the table. All right? So that is there for you. You can be a free agent after this year, but you can play for us for $15 million. If it comes to a point where there is no trade suitor, there's no one who's going to give the, the Vikings what they want, and they refuse to pull the trigger on a trade. At Daniil Hunter, the season gets closer, and he starts to think, man, $15 million bucks. If I just play this year out, then I can be a free agent. Then I can get paid a big contract on the open market. And then he plays uh, his butt off trying to get that, that bag in free agency. And he gets paid somewhat representative of his value this year for the Vikings if they give him a little boost this year to head into free agency. That is the good scenario, is that you get a motivated Daniil Hunter for one year, and, uh, and you don't, or, or you get a first-round pick. That is the good scenario, in my opinion. Yeah, it's crazy to say that he's only 28 years old. He's played seven years with the Vikings, drafted in 2015 under that Rick Spiel and Mike Zimmer era. And remember, he was 20 going into 21 during the season. October 29th is his birthday. He turned 21 his rookie year. He's already played seven seasons, still only 28, going to be 29 this season. Uh, the better scenario in this good, better, best for me is just getting a long-term deal done. I, I mean, he deserves it. He plays such a vital premium position now in the league he's coming off a season where he played all 17 games he was finally healthy finishing the top 10 in quarterback pressures and hurries so he clearly still has the good he's a premium edge rusher and bottom line too sam this defense it just needs talent because as much as i love brian flores and i'm I'm so excited to see him work his magic this year. I really am. There's just only so much a coach can do with the talent they're given. And after already being in the top 10 in almost every category last year, you're already in the bottom third last year. And then you lose four of your best defensive players, Zadarius, Kendricks, Pat P, Dalvin Tomlinson. If I'm Brian Flores and they trade Hunter, I'm walking up to Quasi's office. I'm kicking the door down and I'm saying, bro, you're killing me right now. <laughs> DJ Wanham and Luigi Valane? What are we doing here? So I just think getting a long-term deal done, keeping at least a small core and nucleus of talent with Harrison Smith, Hunter, Byron Murphy now, Harrison Phillips on the line, Jordan Hicks, you know, at linebacker, to build around those guys. Then hopefully you got the young guys like Lewisine, Booth, Asamoah. They all take a big step this year. That makes you feel a lot better about Flores' chances at turning this whole defensive thing around. And I'm not saying it needs to be a 10-year, $200 million deal either, by the way. Knowing Kwesi, especially the deals he's handing out, I'm thinking like a three, maybe four-year deal at market price, somewhere in that 
Eric Armstead range, 17, 18 mil per year, feels about right. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Max Crosby, he's making 23 per year. That's a little rich for my blood, but again, find a happy medium around 20 or slightly less. And I think, I think, I assume all parties involved feel good because even though that's a pretty penny to spend on Hunter, at least you're only committed to three, maybe four years at the most. You can renegotiate after the second or third season if needed. So finding a long-term deal is the better option in this good, better, best scenario for me, Sam. What's your thoughts on the better scenario for yourself? Yeah, so uh, we we got to remember that defensive end money is outlandish now. It's crazy. Nick NFL. Bosa is about to get paid. As Reggie Wilson loves to say, back up the Brinks truck <laughs> for beep, Nick Bosa. Beep, beep, beep. We're getting defensive ends now making over $20 million a year. Miles Garrett's making 25 per. Uh, that's crazy. That's A.J. Brown money for Miles Garrett. Yeah. Uh, if Daniil Hunter is asking for that, uh, I don't think that's good for the Vikings at all. Like, I think that if the if the good, better, best is what is best for sort of all parties involved, including the team, it's not giving Daniil Hunter exactly what he wants. I think finding a, a middle ground is certainly the better scenario. I mean, Daniil's got to be scratching his head. Like, how did we get to this point? I had 54 sacks through my first five years. I was the fastest player in history to 50 sacks. How could we be in this scenario where like I have to to beg, you know, to to get this contract? But this is what happens in football. Regime changes, injuries, all of it kind of decreases your your worth or your value. So he might be lucky to make, you know, 17 million, like you said, with the Minnesota Vikings. I'm I'm sure that Minnesota would like to get him in that top 10 range in the NFL, which would put him, you know. 15, 16, 17 million, but probably not go much higher. I think the better, see, I don't know how to differentiate better and best here, Luke, because I think that you could say, well, you know, short-term deal, that's better. Long-term deal, that's best. I don't know if I want a long-term deal. Sometimes that that binds you. It's a lot of guaranteed money. And that would get him into his like 32, age 33-year-old season. So I don't, that might actually be the better option. I think the best option might be like a shorter, like a three-year deal where you do have some flexibility in the next couple of years, but Daniil is happy and gets a nice guaranteed lump sum. So I, I think that the better option is, yeah, something long-term, and maybe you cave a little more to Daniil's side, um, but then I'll just give it away now. My best option is something in the middle, three years, uh, keep him happy, you ensure his services for the next couple of years into this new era, and you build around him, but you don't have to give necessarily 50 million guaranteed when you also have Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson contracts to come. These superstar game-changing players, these contracts these guys are getting now are, are kind of they're kind of changing the game. They're kind of changing the way front offices want to build their team and roster. And they're also changing the way these teams look at these Super Bowl windows as well. Because obviously, you want to find Justin Jefferson's and Nick Bosa's and, you know, Miles Garrett's and things like that in the draft. However, you can get them. But the contracts now are just getting so insane that I'm with you. I don't really want or love a long-term contract as well. And that brings me to my best-case scenario. Unfortunately, it may be the most unlikely of the three that I've mentioned. But from the Vikings' front office lens and Quasey's just point of view, I think it's by far the best outcome. 
I think that is what you mentioned initially was just bump his pay this year. Just put a little Band-Aid on it. Hey, you're already going to get five mil. We know that's not fair. Hey, put an extra 10 or 12 mil cash in your pocket right now. We'll play this year out under a new scheme, under a new defensive coordinator. Brian Flores will be more than willing to get you a new monster deal heading into next offseason if all goes well. Now, obviously, Hunter's camp isn't going to go for that, most likely. I wouldn't think. But if it's between that and the Vikings saying, well, fine. I mean, just hold out then all year. Don't play a game. Don't suit up. And we'll see how that works for you. I don't really want that or love that either. Then maybe they might budge and just pocket the extra money now just for a one-year Band-Aid deal. Go ball out in Flores' system, which I think he will, by the way. I think Daniil Hunter is going to be a beast in this Brian Flores system. And then you're free to do whatever you want. Like you mentioned, you want to come back, we'll have an offer waiting for you. If you want to test the free agent waters, you can do that as well. But this way, Sam, I think you get the best of both worlds. You get to keep Hunter on that defense, which you so desperately need. You get a taste of what he looks like under a Brian Flores system, which is something every fan wants to see. And you're not committed to him long-term. You can keep that salary cap open going into year three, this Quasi plan and era, and have funds available for J.J., Hawkinson, Derisaw. And if you end up drafting a rookie quarterback in the draft next year, freeing up Kirk Cousins' contract in the process, now we have serious funds to play with, and now we can definitely entertain a new three-, four-, five-year deal with Daniil Hunter next offseason. That's the dream in my eyes, and that's the good, better, best scenarios with Daniil Hunter. Probably the most unrealistic, though, of the three. Yeah, um, I again, I, I don't think it's that crazy, Luke. Like, may, maybe I hope eventually, you're right. I, I think that the Vikings, because, again, that's what the Vikings offered, right? A Band-Aid deal according to Ian Rappaport. And this is something that they did in the previous regime with Anthony Barr. They escalated his free agency um, to, you know, to cut off after one year. And they did it with somebody else as well. It wasn't Kendricks. I can't remember who it was, but they've done this a couple times where they give them the cash and they escalate free agency. I don't think it's actually that crazy. I think that your idea, our idea on this may actually be what plays out where the Vikings sweeten the pot this year and they just say, hey, Daniil, thank you for your services. Um, here's $10 million extra this year. We're going to let you hit free agency and do right by you. And if we happen to be able to re-sign you, great. But we're going to keep our options open. We're going to let you play for us for a healthy sum this season. And then that's actually might be beneficial to Daniil. Because Luke, t tell me this. Do you view Daniel Hunter as injury prone? Because I don't. I view Dalvin Cook as injury prone because it's always something. It's always an ankle, a hamstring, a knee, a foot, a shoulder. Um, and it's every year. Daniel Hunter has had two very acute, serious injuries, right? Fluky. Herniated disc and a torn pec. Mm -hmm. But there are players that, like, those things happen. You get those big injuries in football. Um, but Daniel. When he's healthy, he's healthy. He plays 16, 17 games in seasons. He doesn't miss a week here, a week there with nicks and bruises. I actually think that there's a good chance that he'll ball out this year, stay healthy, and then get paid a ton of money next year. Like I think that's a very realistic scenario. I don't think he needs to worry that much. It's always a back of your mind. Doesn't need to worry that much about injuring and hurting his value. I think that he's actually kind of a healthy player, maybe more than people give him credit for. 
No, a lot of good points there. Two fluky injuries, the neck thing and then mm-hmm. the pec. I mean, that's just fluky. That's not like you mentioned, the injury-prone guys that just drive you nuts. Every Wednesday on the injury report, questionable, doubtful. We'll see. We, we got to go through the rehab process. We'll see. Constantly week-to-week banged up. You're right. When Hunter's on the field, he's 100% full go. It's going to be interesting to see how long this cat-and-mouse game goes on for because obviously he ain't showing up today or tomorrow at minicamp. And then you get the long summer break so fans may not get any closure on this I don't know maybe months especially after being burned by the Dalvin Cook situation and just how long that took to finally unfold so we'll see how it all shakes out all right coming up the three biggest storylines heading into Vikings minicamp plus it's throwback Tuesday but first quick reminder don't forget we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sports book and official sports book partner of the MLB. Sam, we got a border battle brewing tonight. Twins taking on the Brew Crew. First pitch, 6.40 p.m. Central Standard Time. Pablo Lopez on the mound tonight. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And remember, if you're a new customer, you got to try out the No Sweat First Bet. Up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download the easy-to-use FanDuel app. Get your winnings instantly. Money lines, parlays, prop bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire MLB season. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of Locked On. All right, Sam, three biggest storylines heading into Viking minicamp. Number one on my list, roll call. Who's MIA once again? Because it's one thing to miss the voluntary stuff, but this is mandatory now. We already know Hunter. He's going to be a no-show. We all assume Justin Jefferson's going to be a no-go. And then you got guys like Jordan Addison who missed all of OTAs, but will he be back in action? Those are three monster names right there, Sam, that are a huge piece, a huge part of the identity of the Vikings roster. I know we already touched on Daniil, but your projection on JJ and maybe Jordan Addison as well, and any other players that have been MIA, you're hoping to see for the first time today. Um, uh, To be honest, I think JJ is the only question for me. Mm-hmm. Th- this staff is going to hold out anybody who has just a little bruise or Nick. Um, they're not going to force anybody to, to do this just because it's mandatory. So I think, and again, most of these guys have been there. They're just either standing on the side or on the rehab field. And I'm not sure that that there's going to be a difference between last week and this week. Derisaw was missing last week. We never heard anything about that. I'm That's assuming right. it was uh, maybe a vet day, just getting the break. Um, if he's not there again, that would be raise some alarm bells. Where's Derisaw? Did he suffer an injury? So maybe we'll find out more about that today. But um, yeah, my guess on JJ, and this is my num- you know my number one story as well, my guess is that JJ is there in the flesh, you know, to, to sort of smile for the camera and save face and prove that there's not a rift. But I don't think he does any activities. That, if we, that, that would be my guess. No, that, and that makes sense. If we get even a sneak peek, though, at Malik Knowles, just these next two days and what he looks like, I think how the he's world will look, be changed. Watch out, man. JJ, who? Addison, who? UDFA Malik Knowles. Okay, that's our hidden gem. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see him put the pads on, fly around on special teams and inside the passing game. All right, number two on my list. With so many big-name departures of key vets, 
who steps up into the new veteran leadership and captain roles? Currently, you got Harry, Kirk, CJ Ham, and Brian O'Neill. Last year's captains, all those guys are back. So you still have to replace the leadership, though, of the guys like Kendricks, Thielen, Dalvin Tomlinson, Pat P. Zedarius. Those are monster shoes to fill here, Sam. So personally, I know he's new here, but Byron Murphy, He's got a lot riding on him to quickly adapt, take hold of that veteran role in the cornerback room, because even though he's only 25, he's the oldest dude of the group back there, and he's got five years of NFL games under his belt, means he's got by far the most experience. Also, who knows how long until Brian O'Neill gets back on the field, so having someone step up on that offensive line, whether it's Bradbury or Ezra or maybe even Derrissaw, I don't know, but they need a new leader in their back pocket of plan B in case O'Neill isn't on the field in week one. I could also see a guy like Harrison Phillips really thriving in a leadership role as well. The guy's already had a huge positive impact. If you remember on and off the field, he was voted in Buffalo for the Bills. Walter Payton man of the year with all the charity work he did. He lost out to Thielen this year, but I could see him being that guy for the next handful of years here in Minnesota. And then obviously Thielen's gone. JJ still only 23 years old, which still is wild to say out loud, but Addison's a rookie. K.J. Osborne, come on down. I mean, you're the new leader, the new veteran of the wideout room. That's how young and inexperienced that group is. But he's clearly grown into more of a veteran role year after year and just has a lot of high expectations on him in 2023. I don't know. I know I just listed half the roster here, Sam, but any other guys you would love to see step into some sort of leadership roles left vacant by you know so many former players that are now gone? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. They've really been talking up Osborne saying, hey, we know you're competing with him, but you need to lead this Addison kid mm-hmm. and try to get him better. I've noticed Derrissaw kind of finding his voice. I feel like Derrissaw is going to become maybe one of the, the guys, one of the dudes on that offensive side of the ball. And honestly, I look at this offensive line and it is so refreshing, this group. I, I, um, I've complained many a time over the years about how um, muted the offensive linemen had been. We had it. We had one year of Alex Boone. That was fun. But Riley Reef, Mike Remmers, Josh Klein, Anius Dakota Dozier. That there've been a lot of guys that not only were they not great at football, they didn't say anything. Um, now I think the Vikings have two really dynamic tackles in O'Neill and Derisaw, who will hold people accountable. Who will also like keep kind of a a fun atmosphere. Those guys hang out all the time. Bradbury's the same way. Um, People talk about how funny Ezra is. Like, I think it's actually a good group. And hopefully that this whole like camaraderie and continuity thing is legit because I think they all get along. I think they all have chemistry together and they enjoy each other. So hopefully that translates in some way. You're right, Luke. That's something that we definitely want to want to be watching. And then, you know, who, who are going to be the those tackles to fill in behind Derrissaw and O'Neal? We're always talking about, you know, the importance of having depth on the offensive line. We've seen Vidarian Lowe with the ones. We've seen Oliudo with the ones. Blake Brandle trying to get a shot there with the ones as well in, uh, in Brian O'Neal's absence. So just watching that O-line rotation, I think, is going to be big. Yeah, and I'll just mention TJ Hawkinson as well. Entering his fifth year, been around the block. Now he's got a full offseason, gets comfortable. Maybe he could be a guy that younger players kind of lean on and can mentor throughout the season as well. All right, last one, storyline number three, heading into minicamp. 
it's rookie watch, baby. I mean, you've heard of the Night Watch or Game of Thrones. This is the rookie watch. And when I say rookies, I'm not just talking about the six draft picks, the UDFAs we're all excited to see, like Ivan Pace Jr., Andre Carter, Malik Knowles, etc. You got to talk about the guys who are technically second-year players, yes, but for all intents and purposes, guys like Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth Jr., Brian Asamoa, Ty Chandler, the guys who didn't see an ounce of playing time last year. We can group them into the rookie watch as well. And when you do that, now you got more than 10 names that have a lot of pressure riding on them in 2023. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I wish we had seen the key rookie this this spring, Jordan Addison. I wish we'd seen more of him. Um, that's obviously the rookie that everybody's watching for, and I doubt we'll see him this week. Uh, I'd be very surprised if we did, so we'll have to wait until training camp. Um, but you know the rookie that I'm going to try to pay more attention to, and I got to take the training wheels off him, is Jaron Hall. Um, I think if you're serious about grooming Jaron Hall to be in the mix as a future starter, you got to like let him let him learn on the fly. Like last week, they had a situational session where they had to drive the field with a minute to go. Um, they gave a series to Cousins. They gave a series to Mullins. And they didn't let Jaron Hall do it. Like, what? you got to let Jaron Hall sometimes go out there and fail. Like, he's got to make some mistakes, make some errors, and he's got to, like, work through that. I want to see them actually give Jaron Hall the shot um, to beat out Nick Mullins for that backup job. And maybe they're waiting until training camp. Maybe they just want this to be all about education and not about really showing it on the field yet. But at some point, they will have to do that. So I want to watch Jaron Hall do some stuff. Let him fly. He's a peacock. Let him fly. I got to fly, Cap. Let me fly, baby. Uh, that kind of bums me out, man. I know it's so early in the long scheme of things, right? The big picture, the overhead view. But throw the kitchen sink at the guy. I thought that's what they said they were going to do. Let's throw the kitchen sink at him and see what sticks to the wall and what he needs to work on the most heading into the summer before trading camp. So all eyes, obviously, always on the quarterback. You mentioned Jordan Addison. That's going to be a big one, whether he even suits up or not. And then another fun one, Dwayne McBride from UAB. I know it won't be like full balls-of-the-wall contact or anything, but this guy is just fun, man. He's a fun runner. Go flip on the college tape. You can't bring this guy down with just an arm tackle. I'm telling you right now. And there's always one rookie that kind of ends up stealing the show. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being McBride from UAB who flashes some splash plays, if you will, in the 11-on-11. So write that name down as well. Those are your three storylines from minicamp. Rest assured, Sam's going to be back tomorrow on the Mailbag Show to recap it all. Let's get into a fun, quick one just to end the show. An old segment here, Sam. Reggie and I used to dive into once a week mm -hmm. called Throwback Thursday, but on a Tuesday today because I love going back into the Minnesota sports archives and doing a quick deep dive on some of the best players in franchise history that we all know and we all hear about, but maybe we didn't grow up watching and we don't have the same maybe passion or appreciation for just how good some of these guys were. Players that, you know, our dads and our uncles got to grow up watching, for example. So let me just start with this question here, Sam. Of mm -hmm. all the Hall of Fame Minnesota sports players throughout history, if you had to pick one, who do you think is the greatest Hall of Famer of them all? And, and first of all, I get it. Impossible to answer, especially when you pull all the different sports together. Here's just a few names. I wrote down top of my head, Herb Brooks. Tom Kelly, Kirby Puckett, George Mikan, Fran Tarkenton, Moss, Carter, 
AP. I, I mean, it's so tough, though. But let's just scrap all the other sports. I'll make it a little bit easier on you. Let's just talk Vikes mm-hmm. for a second. Yeah. If you pooled all the greatest Vikings Hall of Famers, you got them all in one room or all on one list, who would you rank at the very top and say, I know we can't say definitively, but this guy may be the greatest sports figure in the history of Minnesota lore. Boy, um, I think that the the old schoolers would get mad if I didn't at least include Alan Page in this discussion. Alan Page is just such a legendary figure that neither of us got to watch because of when he played. Um, the guy from our era is Moss. I think Moss is the most transformative Viking of all time when you consider what he meant to the franchise. Mo- Moss single-handedly turned the, that that franchise from like having non-sellouts and blackouts and and kind of fledgling to a powerhouse franchise. Like, you know who can thank Randy Moss for putting a lot of money in their pocket? The Wilfs. Mm. Like Randy Moss mm. set this franchise on a course mm. to appreciate over a couple decades, I think. I think. Um, so you passed the test. I do want to talk about Alan Page just briefly mm-hmm. here. And there's no wrong answer here with these kind of exercises. It's nearly impossible to pick one guy when you're sifting through so many different generations of high-impact players, as you said. That's why I propose we should start a, a Vikings Mount Rushmore today. I think we just keep it to one sport so it's more doable. We do the Vikings. I think we alternate picks week by week every Tuesday. And then we we put up a poll on the Locked On YouTube page and let the people mm. listening at home, they get to vote on the last pick. But with my first pick on Throwback Tuesday for our Vikings Mount Rushmore, I think you could make a case. This guy is maybe the greatest Hall of Famer in Minnesota sports history 15th overall pick, Notre Dame alum, 1967, Mr. Allen Cedric Page. And again, I know it's so hard to compare guys from this generation to older generations just because the game has changed so much. It's so different now. The athletes we see come and go are just on another level. But Allen Page was on another level, a level of his own for 16 years 12 of them with the Vikings. Let's just rip through some of the best stats, facts, accolades, all that stuff real quick. I just want your two cents on this, man. You want durable? This guy played 236 straight games at defensive tackle in easily the most barbaric time in NFL histories, middle to late 60s, early 70s. 16 years, Sam, he literally never missed a single game. Playing 60s and 70s ball, like that's insane. You were just saying how PO'd you get sometimes when you got the injury-labeled guys like a Dalvin, for example, that's constantly on the injury report. Not with Alan Page. Never a game did he ever miss in those 16 games. And then imagine a guy starting out in his career with Rookie of the Year votes, And then go into nine straight Pro Bowls. And on top of that, most impressively, winning the first MVP as a defensive player in the history of the league. Still to this day, one of only two defensive players to win the MVP with Lawrence Taylor. So you think about a guy like Aaron Donald of this generation. He put up that monster season when they won the Super Bowl. How dominant he was. Got a couple MVP votes. And again, different generations. It's a passing league now. Quarterbacks get all the love. But how amazing... He was to watch, Aaron Donald that was during that run, and Page's 71 season when he won the MVP was even better. So not just double-digit sacks, two safeties in the mix, but 107 tackles as a defensive tackle 
is just kind of unheard of. Named NFC Defensive Player of the Year four times. That's absolutely wild. He's also one of 11 Vikings players to play in all four Minnesota Super Bowls. And I think outside of all the incredible stats, I mean, I could sit here and go on and on. We'll wrap up here soon. But how dominant he was on the field, why he's got to be mentioned as one of the greatest players in Minnesota history is all the amazing things he did off the field. And I'm talking about things like being elected in the Minnesota Supreme Court Justice, first African-American to do so at the time, by the way. 2018, he's awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He just helped build an elementary school in Maplewood called the Justice Allen Page Elementary School. I mean, this guy did it all, Sam. Allen Page, the man, the myth, the legend, my number one pick for our Vikings, Mount Rushmore. How about that? Yep, he's got to be on it. You're absolutely right. Um, did the Vikings trade Alan Page? Like, why Why didn't he uh, finish his career as a Viking? You want to know the crazy story about this? Yeah. yeah. You want to know the crazy story about this? So his wife was a longtime smoker. He wanted more than anything to help his wife quit smoking. So what they did... They went for runs, and he ended up getting so into running. He was doing marathon running and this and that. And remember, back then, athletes were different, but he was only 245 at defensive tackle. Still dominant, but one of the most lightning-quick defensive tackles. You just couldn't stop the guy if you're an old lineman. But he ended up losing so much weight, Sam, in that season. He got down to 220 as a defensive tackle. And in the middle of the year, he was already coming off a down year in 77 when he's starting to lose the weight. And then he shows up the next year. He's still 220. They're going, what the heck? Maybe he's on the downslope now. And they ended up trading him to Chicago. They released him, I think. Oh, did they they release him? This is is the quote. I, I was looking this up as you were talking. This is a quote from Bud Grant. Alan, imagine saying this about um, a Hall of Famer. Upon <laughs> I can't his, wait like, Now, now can't you wait. know, the team releases a, a flowery, gushing statement with quotes from ownership. Now, this is the quote from Bud Grant. Rest in peace. Alan can no longer meet the standard he set for himself. He just can't make the plays anymore. Stop. Come on, Bud. I love <laughs> That's you, Bud. A real we all quote. love you, but stop it. So... He was coming off a down year, losing all the weight in 77. And then he shows up in 78. They let him play six games. And they say, all right, we've had enough. He plays the final 10 with Chicago. Still ends up putting up, what, like 40 sacks in Chicago, I want to say, in four years. Averages 10 sacks a season with Chicago those last Mm -hmm. four years. That was kind of disappointing. And I'll have to get my, you know, my dad's two cents and some other people that were around that generation. But kind of disappointed to see that marriage end like that for being so iconic and having such a huge impact on the state of Minnesota. Not only do you just release him, but he was still playing at a high level. So why would you do that without at least getting trade compensation? But then you let him end up walking over to a division rival. And now you got to see the guy twice a year. I didn't love the way that ended, at least on paper. I'd have to more know more details about it, though, later on. The greatest legends for all of their teams in, in football – often end messily. You know, Randy Randy Moss is probably the number two guy on this Mount Rushmore. He had not one, but two messy exits from the Minnesota Vikings. Mm -hmm. And he still transcends all of that negativity, I think, to be one of the top four legendary faces of the franchise.
Here's my three favorite stats, and then we'll wrap up. Finish with 23 fumble recoveries, which is insane. I got to pull up Aaron Donald's stats and just see where he's at, just to kind of have maybe a somewhat apples to apples. 148 and a half sacks, and this is the most wild stat I've ever seen. 28 blocked kicks. What? That's a cheat code. That's like you're playing Madden. I got a cheat code. I can just block him. That's insane. 28 block kicks in his career. Mount Rushmore, I think I'll get the first pick. We'll alternate. You get the second pick. Here's what we should do with the third pick. We'll come together and agree on the third one. And then the fourth and final Mount Rushmore in a couple weeks, we'll throw up a poll. We'll let the people, the listeners decide up on the Locked On YouTube community page. How about that? Love it. Love the plan. Love the, this is going to get hard. Starting with, I think the third guy. Uh, it's going to get really hard. Agreed. And, and maybe we could even wheel this in or branch this out into a Rankum show somehow, some way as well. Yeah. Maybe the the best uh, you know, Vikings defensive tackles and defensive ends, we could go position by position, or we do a Mount Rushmore on the Rankum show as well. But NFL MVP, Sam, at the time, unheard of, man. I know Lawrence Taylor won it one year, but uh, Alan Page, man, what he did, the person he was on, but more importantly, maybe off the field, there's no better number one pick for me than Alan Page. All right, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You got to join us every day. Another episode of the Football Party. It's your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. Don't forget, podcast two free and available, all platforms subscribe. Drop us that five-star review, please, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in today to the football party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the Mailbag Edition with Kara Levin's Reggie Wilson. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Signing out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.